Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This Feast of Tabernacles is, again, sometimes it's, it is called the Feast of the Ingathering. It has a different name in, in the Bible. It's in Exodus 23, verse 16. It calls it the Feast of the Ingathering. And it's at the end of the year when the Jews had gathered the fruits and the grain from the field. And this would be in the 15th day of the seventh month. So this is in the fall time frame that they would have this Feast of Tabernacles. And it was designed uh, to be a memorial of God's faithful provision for them in food and their crops and also God's faithful provision for them during the 40-year time frame and in their desert wanderings. The Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration to God for His provisions. Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob finalizes this part of chapter 16 of the book of Deuteronomy by reviewing the Feast of Tabernacles. God requests His people to remember His provisions during the time they were in the wilderness and preparing for their entrance into the Promised Land. He supplied them with food, water, and huts for them to live in. We should remember as Christians today that the word tabernacle in Hebrew means shelter or dwelling place. Jesus is our shelter and our protection. Here's Pastor Rob with this important message. Into the ground for three days. I was buried for three days, but on the third day I rose. And Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection and the firstborn from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20, it says this, But now Christ, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, those who have died. For since by man came death, meaning Adam, since man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive, but each one in its own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Remember we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when Jesus comes back and he's in the clouds. We meet him in the clouds. It's called the rapture of the church. He is in the clouds. We, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that the the dead in Christ, those who have died in faith, are going to be resurrected. They are going to meet the Lord. They are going to be received. They're going to receive a new body, one that can withstand eternity. This thing is not going to last long. This flesh is only going to last 80, maybe 90 years if I'm fortunate. And if I'm doing really well, maybe 100. But then it perishes but we need a body that's outfitted for heaven, 
one that does not perish. And that's the body that we receive at the coming of Christ in the clouds. It says the dead in Christ will rise, they will be resurrected, and they will precede us. They will go up first. In the twinkling of an eye, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen like that. The dead in Christ rise, and then we which are alive and remain, who are believers in Christ, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be walking down the street one day. I don't know where I'm going to be, but can you imagine? (laughs) Walking down the street, and all of a sudden you hear the trump of God, and all of a sudden your body becomes this mortal puts on immortality. This body is changed in the twinkling of an eye in in front of people. Can you imagine the day? Sounds like some kind of Star Trek thing. I often wonder if Star Trek got the idea, if somebody read the Bible. Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) But it's going to happen. The church removed from the earth, and then we know what happens after that, but we don't have time for that. So back in Leviticus chapter 17 here, in verse, or chapter 23, verse 17, it says, You shall bring them from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. Now, these are measurings. You know, you and I would say cups or, or, or pounds. It, it, these are measurements that God is uh, speaking of. Two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. An ephah is a measurement. That's what they would use to measure, like we would use a measuring spoon or, a, or a, some kind of measuring device. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. Notice that. Leaven in the Bible always speaks of sin. And they are the first fruits to the Lord. And you look at even in this Feast of the, of the feast of Weeks, and we look at this verse that we just read. What does that speak of when we think of the day of Pentecost? The Feast of Weeks is the day of Pentecost, and, the, and that happened nearly 2,000 years ago now. To the readers of this, they were still looking forward to it. This, these two different wave loaves, these two different loaves made of leaven. What does that speak of? It speaks of the Jews and the Gentiles together as one, making up the church, right? They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven because we, are, we have sin in us. Jesus had no sin in him. He was born sinless. That's why only he was qualified to pay the price for my and your sin. So the two different loaves, they signify Jews and the Gentiles coming together in the church. Verse 18, it says, And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish. Does a lamb ring a bell to you? Lambs were always a, a, a significant thing. Notice of the first year, without blemish. Remember in the Passover? Just... Going back here for a second, the Passover lamb had to be a lamb of the first year, and it had to be inspected. It had to be looked over very carefully. Does this lamb have any defect whatsoever? Because God did not want us to give the worst of the lambs. He wanted the firstborn, the very best, the fattest, most beautiful lamb. He didn't want the leftovers. He demanded the very best, and it was so good for us, and it is good for us to give the best unto him, not to the church necessarily, although we can do that, but it's really to him. Why are we doing what we're doing? It's for him. It's about him. It has to be. Otherwise, close our doors and go do something else. <laughs> it's got to be about him. Is it about him or is it not? Am I here tonight because of him? Or for some other reason, God wants you to be here because he loves you. He cares about you. 
He's paid the price for you. His love for you is so great. You know, I hate to use the cliche, but it's so true. I mean, he loved you this much as he hung there on the cross, his arms open wide. Then you shall sacrifice, or they shall, I'm sorry, verse 18, and you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be as burnt offerings to the Lord with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. And they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall, be, and, and you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall not do any customary work in it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. And when, and notice this, I love this. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field where you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. Notice, I am the Lord your God. Now, what is this all about? You remember when Jesus was walking through the fields with his disciples and the Pharisees, who were the really religious people, really uptight religious people, religious people who didn't follow the law. They told people about the law, and they told them what to do, but they didn't do it themselves. So he sees, they see Jesus walking through the fields. And normally when you have a very large field in those days, in fact, some people in New York still do this. Have you noticed that? Have you gone by a field that leaves the gleanings? I see it all the time during the corn, when corn is growing up. You'll see, you'll see a farmer will leave like the, the, the surrounding, like almost like the perimeter of the field. He'll leave that there, a couple of rows in, and he'll just leave it there. Have you seen that? And they do that because of this. Because people can stop alongside the road and grab a couple ears, stick it in their bag. That's what it was for. But the Pharisees saw that, and all oh, you're doing work on the Sabbath, man. <laughs> and Jesus got on their case about it, and he brought them to this scripture. That's what they were supposed to do. And it took faith, didn't it? Because the, the natural state in the heart of man is to be greedy. I want to get everything from this crop that I can. I'm going to take everything. And if I, got some, if I see my neighbor has some left over, I'm going to take his too. Right? That's just natural man. But God says, no, you take what is necessary and leave the, the outer rows. You leave that for the poor and for those who can't, who don't have a lot. And they do it. And everyone is satisfied. And God blesses the person who does such. It's a secret of giving, by the way. It's not being stingy and holding on to things. Have you ever held on to things so much your knuckles are white? And God says, will you just let it go? Just let it go. Don't you think I can pour out heaven upon you and the blessings? Now, I'm not going to get into There's a lot of charlatans out there. You know, the uh, televangelists. Oh, if you give $1,000, God's going to give you $10,000 today, brother, today. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's up to God. You give with a right heart, and God loves to bless you in return. That's just the way it works. You'll never outgive God. And the more you give to him, the more he's going to bless you. And it may be physical, tangible, and it may just be spiritual. You're going to have a peace that nobody else has, and it, do, it doesn't make sense. Because what did Jesus say? It is more blessed to give than to, to receive, right? Have you, ever lear- have you learned that? I'm still learning that. You know, when you give something to somebody... There's a wonderful feeling that you have when you, when you give something, and it may hurt a little bit, but you see the smile on their face, and maybe it's something that they really, really, 
really need and they really, really are so thankful for. I tell you what, that changes a heart. Have you been in that place of giving like that? It does something to you. It changes you forever. And then God in turn blesses you. It's a mystery. It doesn't make sense. The Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to go through this fairly quickly because I've spent a lot of time (laughs) on the Feast of Weeks. But let's look at, let's go back into Deuteronomy chapter 16 and let's look at verse 13. This Feast of Tabernacles is, again, sometimes it is called the Feast of the Ingathering. It has a different name in in the Bible. It's in Exodus 23 verse 16. It calls it the Feast of the Ingathering. And it's at the end of the year when the Jews had gathered the fruits and the grain from the field. And this would be in the 15th day of the seventh month. So this is in the fall time frame that they would have this Feast of Tabernacles. And it was designed uh, to be a memorial of God's faithful provision for them in food, in their crops, and also God's faithful provision for them during the 40-year time frame and in their desert wanderings. Let's look at verse 13. It says, you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. Notice, when you have gathered them from your threshing floor and from your winepress. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant. Notice the Levite and the stranger. And I love how God does this, and the fatherless and the widow. He has a special place in his heart for the poor, the fatherless, and the widow. Those who have no man in the house. You know, what a travesty to think of how many young people today, how many broken homes I grew up in a broken home. My father died when I was really young. But, you know, I grew up without a dad. But there are, there are children growing up in this city without fathers. They, they don't even know who their father is. And some women are widows. And the children are fatherless and widows. God has a special place in his heart for people like that. He loves the fatherless and the widow. And I thank God because even though I didn't have a father and my mother was a widow... God took care of me. And even in my rebellion for 24 years, God made sure that I didn't expire before my time. Because <laughs> i got to be honest with you, I look back at my 24, first 24 years of my life, and I should be dead several times. No kidding. I could tell you stories that you're like, how are you even standing here? But God. He loves the fatherless. He loves the widows. But he says, seven days, verse 15, you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses, which is in Jerusalem, ultimately, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will surely rejoice. Now, we don't really have time to uh, go into this, but I would encourage you to read Leviticus chapter 23. We were just in there, but read verses 33 through 43, and that goes into a little more detail on this feast. And he says, three times a year, verse 16, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, which is Pentecost, and the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. And every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So it was meant to be given. As the Lord gave you increase, you blessed, you, you gave. If you got little, you gave little in proportion. Does that make sense? You know, God doesn't tell you that if you make $50,000 a year, you know, um, you know to give 20000 <laughs> or 30000 of it. He says, give, your, give a portion. 
what, uh, sufficient unto your faith, what, whatever you feel, you know, it's volitional. It's not like twisting your arm. God doesn't need money. Do you think the God of all creation, if he wanted to, he could just raise up gold right from the ground? It's not a big deal to him. But unfortunately, we live in a world where we need to pay for things. But he's not concerned about money. But this Feast of Tabernacles, actually, we do have just a few moments. I think it would be good. And then we're going to stop here because we need to go back. Um, if you're still in Leviticus chapter 23, let's stay there and let's read this uh, 33, uh, and then we'll, be, we'll call it a night for tonight. Leviticus 23. And again, this was a fall feast. It was held on the 15th day of the seventh month. It says in verse 33 of Leviticus 23, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The 15th day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work in it. So to take a day off. Isn't that what the Sabbath was for? That's what these things were for. Remember Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God wanted, just as in his creation, remember he created everything in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Not that he needed to rest, but that it was a model for us to follow. We work six days, and it's good for us to at least have a day off to get refreshed. Do you know there's other people in other countries that work 12, 14 hours a day, and they don't get a Sabbath? Over in China and other places in the Far East, they work those people to the nub. So much so that they're so discouraged and they're so distraught. And their minds are filled with so much angst and they're, they're, they're hurting so bad inside because they haven't gotten a rest. They're not going to get a rest, but they've got to do it. And then because of the economic situations that they're under, they've got to keep going, keep going, keep going to the point where they're finally at lunch hour. They just say, you know, I've had enough. And they jump over the, they jump over the fence and jump into the river and they die. They commit suicide because it's just too much. But God says, I want you to rest. Take a day, at least one day, and spend it with me, God says. Get into the word. Get refreshed. Kick your feet up. When I think of this, a Sabbath, I think of uh, we go camping up in the Adirondacks uh, once a year. And we go up to this place called Moffat Beach State Park. And the last time we were there this last July, I remember I had a hammock, and we had our tent and we had we camped with three or four other church families up there and I had this hammock up and I'm sitting there on this lake with the mountains all around the lake and I'm sitting there on this beautiful day and it was nice and cool and I'm sitting there in that hammock with my Bible and a glass of iced tea and I'm just sitting there enjoying life and I'm hearing the loons off in the distance making their noises very unique sounds and I'm hearing the the ducks play in the water and I'm hearing the wind just kind of coming down gently and the it was just amazing You need that. You need to take time off. But he goes on. But notice, let's actually just skip right down to verse 39 because it is connected to their their feast, but notice it's also for something else because in verse 39 he says, Also, on this feast, I want you to do this, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the fruit of of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. I love a Sabbath rest, don't you? After church on Sunday, you know what I do? I go home and I nap as long as possible before next service. And I love it. Go home and eat something and then fall asleep for an hour, if that's possible. Can anyone say amen? 
<laughs> I'm just having a fun there, so forgive me. So um, on the first day there should be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. I like that even better. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees. Notice this. Take the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days, and ye shall keep it as a feast for the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations, and ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths. That's what tabernacles means. It means you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I, the cho- I have made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So as they were coming through the land, coming out of Egypt, God, they would have to build booths. They'd build it, and they do it in Israel today. They still do it to commemorate this. They'll have this nice home with cable television and everything, and then on top of the roof, they'll have this hut. They'll build this hut, and they'll have their cable hook up out there too. But at least they, they go through this thing, even today. It's really cool to see. They still keep this feast. And so anyway, I would also encourage you, if you got a pencil and paper, to read Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 13 through 18, because it speaks of the children of Israel when they came back from their captivity from Babylon. Nehemiah reinstituted the Feast of Tabernacles, because it wasn't done since the day of Joshua up until that moment. And that was about a thousand-year time frame. Over a thousand years, they didn't keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And finally, this faithful man leading the people out of Babylon, their captivity, after their 70-year captivity, they come back to their land. They rebuild the temple. They rebuild the walls. They reinstate the, the feasts that they haven't been kept, haven't been keeping for over a thousand years. But be encouraged because all of these feasts point to something relating to Jesus and the pro- prophetic things. We saw the Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost. At the time it was written, it was prophesying of an event that hadn't happened yet for quite a while in the future. We're looking back on it now. But when they were writing this, they were way down the road <laughs> looking for the fulfillment of it in Christ in when, when the Spirit of God was poured on the day of Pentecost. And these other feasts, which we um, are not going to be getting into, but there's others, they all speak of Jesus. They all speak of the fulfillment of what God is doing in the church, and they also mean something to the children of Israel as well. So be encouraged that when you read the Bible, that it's not just a bunch of facts and figures. You know, when you read about these feasts and you start looking into it a little bit better, you come away amazed that, They were for the children of Israel at the time, but they also had a meaning for us in the church too. God's prophetic timetable and the things that he was going to be doing and the things that he's going to do, yet future to us. It just gives me such great confidence in the word of God. Amen. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and we pray, Jesus, that you would have your hand upon us and that, Lord, you would help us to fall even more in love with your word. Lord, that you would saturate our hearts and our minds with it. And Lord, that we would honor you, that we'd be obedient, Lord, to the things that we read, that it just wouldn't go in one ear and out the other, Father. But that you would just, um, in your loving way that you have done for me and for my brothers and sisters too, Father, how you just loved on us so greatly. Lord, we just willingly want to give to you everything, especially our lives, Lord. Do with them as you please, Lord. You own us. 
You've purchased us. And we are so glad to be purchased back from a a life that was going in a wrong direction, Lord. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness and forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.